Welcome to the audio ministry of Love Foundation Christian Center, a place to find God's love. Pastors Osage and Bridget Airboard teach the word with simplicity and truth. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message inspires and encourages you. Enjoy the message. Let's go to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number four. Thank you, instrumentalist. Hallelujah. Uh, I will be talking about living in victory. Amen. Amen. Living in victory. How many of you like to win? Hallelujah. Are you a winner? Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. We, ha- we have no losers in this church. Hallelujah. If somebody says you are a loser, I say, no, I go to Love Foundation Christian Center. I'm not a loser. Hallelujah. There are no losers in that church. Hallelujah. Better still say, I'm born again. I'm a child of the living God. I, I cannot be a loser. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter number four. Uh, We're going to start reading from verse 8. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 8. Every verse of every scripture is important. Ephesians is one of my favorite chapters. It's one one book in which Paul explained the position and authority of the believer and of the church. So you want to spend time to study it. Amen. Amen. And... um, Today, again, I'm not going to be saying anything too new. Many of us who have been in church have heard this over and over again. But faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul said to repeat himself is not bad. It's actually safe and it's better for you. Let's start from verse 7. So probably it's a better state place to start than saying wherefore. He said, but but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Tell somebody you are giving grace. Everyone has grace. Everyone has been given grace. All right. So wherefore, he said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Hallelujah. Continue, continue. Now, he that ascended, what is it but that he also first descended first to the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens, that he may feel all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some pastors. Again, I repeat, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow unto him in all things. Let's stop there. Take a pause and read it again. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in how many things? In all things. So we are supposed to grow up unto Christ in all things. So we should become as Jesus is in all things. Some people say, well, we can never grow that way. But the Bible says that's the reason why he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some pastors, and teachers, 
to build up the body of Christ so that we can grow to become like Christ in all things. Which is the head, even Christ. Continue. From whom also, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. This is the last verse we'll read from here. And compacted by that which every joint supplied, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Hallelujah. I know some of these verses may sound, uh, uh, you know, doctrinal to many, but they are simple. They are, they are telling us that God wants us to grow to become like Jesus Christ. God wants us to become mature and not be tossed about by every wind of doctrine, but to grow in all things to become like Jesus Christ. And one of the areas I just want to mention today is, is living and walking in victory. Walking in victory. What is a, well, who is a victor? Somebody who wins. More than an overcomer. When the Bible tells us to rule and to reign, it also means that there will be challenges. There are things we are going to be faced with. And a victor is not someone that never has challenges, but someone that what? Overcomes the challenges all the time. You win. You win. You've never heard of a wrestler that never wrestles. And then he's the champion wrestler. The reason why he's a victor, a, rest, a champion, is because what? He wins. he wins. He wins. And so many times when people are faced with challenges, <clears throat> one of the first things they wonder is like, why is this happening to me? I tell you, because you're a winner. Yeah. You're supposed to overcome it. You're supposed to rule over it. You're supposed to bring it under subjection. That's what it means to rule and to reign. But today, I just want to be a little bit more uh, simple and practical and teach us some of the principles, some of which we already had this morning, School of the Word, even when Pastor B was sharing. But I want to reemphasize it again, how to walk in victory. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. The first thing I want to mention is that God already told us this year that we belong to the top. Tell somebody again you belong to the top. Say it again. You belong to the top. You belong to the top in your finances. So if somebody is looking, no, you don't have to say this. If somebody is looking for a rich husband or wife, they should be looking for you. Right? Because you belong to the top, right? You should be in one of the highest brackets. And, and you should belong to the top too in your health, in your joy, in your peace, in, in, your, in, your, in your business. In your career, you should be at the top. And a victor, someone who is walking in victory, is the one who is at the top. The person who is excelling, who is reaching the top, like God set, us, set for us this year. So we are looking again today at some of the practical ways to get there. Amen. Amen. Point number one, maybe I should give you points. It makes, it makes it easier to get it down if you are writing. And point number one is that we belong at the top. We belong at the top. We read over and over again in Ephesians chapter number 2. The Bible says that he has raised us up, made us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Far above all principalities. Maybe we should read it. Some people did miss, may have missed church that day. So let's go to Ephesians chapter number 1 first. And then chapter number 2. We'll read a few verses from uh, 1 and then 2. Hallelujah. 
Ephesians 1 chapter number, Ephesians chapter number 1, the Bible says from verse 15, Wherefore also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 18, he said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The, again, I repeat, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Some translation says the eyes of your mind. So it's not just talking about your physical eyes. He's saying that the eyes of your heart, your inner eyes may be open to be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. And 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ and that when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also that which is to come. 22, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Two, chapter 2, verse 1. And you had he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walked in the children of disobedience. Three, among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle in time past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for why we were, for, for his great love, wherein he loved us, why we were yet sinners, Christ. Even while we were dead in sin, had quickened us together with Christ by grace, as we say. Verse 6, and had raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. I wanted to read the whole of it. Uh, so I want to say you can go back and look at the scriptures again. So the Bible says that when Christ died and was raised up from the dead, he said we were partners with him. We were included in Christ. So we died and we were raised from the dead. So where are we seated now? In the heavenly places. Someone said, well, I'm sitting in church. But the Bible says you are sitting in the heavenly places. So which one is it? Are you sitting down here or you are sitting up there? Both. Praise God. You are sitting in the heavenly places in the realm of the spirit. But in the physical, we can see your body sitting down here in church. So that's what you call the, 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 the legal part and the vital part of the gospel. The legal part is what is done scriptural, what's legally yours. The vital part is what you're experiencing right now. Praise God. You know, something could be legally yours and somebody's driving it around. It doesn't mean it's no yours. The day you realize it's yours, what do you do? You go take it from him. So, the scriptures tells us our legal rights. What God has done for us, where we are seated in the realm of the spirit, our authority and our power, it is our responsibility to take it and make it vitally ours. Because what happens many times, people rejoice about the legal part, the spiritual part, but they never really experience the vital part. People say, oh, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. And they have no food to eat. 
They have no, no clothes to wear. They really, you know, are sick in their body. But they say, we are blessed with all the blessings in the heavenly realms. People say, we are rich. Everyone is rich. I'm so rich. And yet, they can pay bills. Uh, they really, you know, are behind on their taxes. Praise God. So today, I'm actually talking about how to receive it in the vital part. How to bring it from the spirit realm to the natural have to claim what belongs to you. I want to hear louder. Amen. Praise God. It's, I mean, it's, it's good to shout about the invisible car, but it's about time to shout about the visible one too. Praise God. I say hallelujah. It's good to say where we are seated in the heavenly realms, and yet everything is still oppressing you in the physical. But now it's time to jack up and go to the top. Somebody say Hallelujah. And be rather the oppressor than the oppressed. People say, are we supposed to be oppressors? Yeah, we should oppress devils. The Bible says we should cast out devils and heal the sick. So we are called to be oppressors. Not oppressing other people, but to be seated in the heavenly realms far above means that we are given authority to overcome challenges and to reign in life with Christ Jesus. So, the first point is that we are seated in the heavenly realms. We belong to the top. Tell somebody again, we belong to the top. Say, I'm seated in the heavenly realms, far above all principalities, all powers, all titles, all names in this world and that which is to come. Rejoice for that person. Hallelujah! I'm sitting with a king right now. Bible says we are kings. We are kings. Gathering of kings. That's what we have here. So number one is that we belong to the top. Number two is that even though we are at the top, we have an adversary, the devil. Now this is not any uh, new news. We already should know this. We have the devil. And the Bible said that the devil comes to do what? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. You know, if you didn't have anything to steal, the devil won't come after you to steal. Many people think that they are, they are the sick trying to be healed. But if you are born again, you are already healed. Somebody is trying to steal your health. He's the thief. And Jesus also called him the liar. The Bible says that, that he's the father of lies, that when he speaks lies, he's speaking his native language. So we know the name of the language in hell. It's called lies. Lying. That's what they say. The demons are liars. Now, this may not look so important to us, but as we begin to understand more and more how to walk in the victory, we already have the victory, but how to walk in that victory, we will realize that one of the things we are going to have to come against are the deceptions of the enemy. It's very, very important. Because the reason why many people, even though they have been healed, and not walking in health is because there is what the Bible calls the mind games that Satan plays. Let's go back again to our Ephesians scripture. The Bible says that we should, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some pastors and teachers so that he can perfect us. And that we should not be children tossed to and fro by any wind of doctrine, but speaking the truth in love, we should grow unto Christ in all things. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse, let's go to verse 14. 
He said, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, that means the lies of men, and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So one of the things the Bible keeps telling us is don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. In short, let's go to Ephesians chapter number 6. So the devil's greatest strategy is to deceive. He makes people think that the word of God is not true. It makes people experience a lie. And we're going to have to be strong in coming against these mindsets, these thoughts, these imaginations. Because the place people are defeated is not on the outside, but it's on the realm of the mind. One of the things God said to us this year, he said that we are, we, are, we are being raised to the top in manifestation. He said, but one of the things that we need to do is what? Renew our minds. Renew our minds that we are going to have to change the way we think. And that's one of the areas I'm going to be emphasizing on this morning. How to change the way you think. How to begin to think differently. Let's go to verse 10 in Ephesians chapter number 6. So even though we are seated at the top, and at the top, there is no sickness and disease. Say amen. amen. At the top, there are, there are no poor people there. there everyone at the top is, is in the exact measure of the fullness of Christ. So that's what God has raised us to be, to be like him. But the Bible says that we should not be unaware that there is a devil that has come to steal our peace, steal our joy, steal our money. Still our children, still our family. And so he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. In Ephesians 6, 10, he said, finally, my brethren, he said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the world, the wiles of the devil, the mind schemes of the devil. He said, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the mind schemes of the devil, the wiles of the devil. That means that, that the reason why many people may have a, a, a legal understanding of God's word and not have a, 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 a vital experience of it is because the enemy has found a way to deceive them. Now, I know people don't really see this seriously, but I prayed for you. I prayed for myself. I prayed for those watching online as well. Amen. That our eyes are being opened. To see beyond we have, what we have seen before. The, 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 the difference between, between what God has done and our experience has to do with the way we think. And the reason why people, even though God says you're healed and you're not experiencing the healing is because in between the, your, the thoughts are wrong. And so if you are going to experience what God has done, you're going to have to change the way you think. And so the devil knows that, and so he emphasizes on wrong things so that people will think the wrong thoughts. Because even though you have been given the money, you have been made to sit high, your body has been healed, if you think poor, you're going to remain poor. Somebody will drive in your car, Bible says servants on horsebacks, princes on bare feet. Who, who do you think owns the horses that the servants were riding? The princes. The princes are walking on bare feet. 
Their servants are rising on hog bags. He said it's a fault of the ruler. So usually what happens is that if we do not change the way we think, we're going to keep walking in a particular way. And that's why the main message of Jesus, even though he explained many other things, is what? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent does not mean, oh, oh, I sinned, oh God, I am a sin. No, no, people can cry and not repent. The meaning of the word repent is to change your mind. Change the way you think. What he came to preach is the renewal of the mind. He said the kingdom of God has come. You no longer need to be in bondage of sickness. You no longer need to be in bondage of fear. You no longer need to be in the bondage of, 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 of poverty. He said, so change your mind. Things are not the way they used to be. Repent for the dominion, the lifestyle of heaven has come. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. It's not within reach. When it says at hand, it means it's within. You can receive it now. You can receive your healing now. You can receive your prosperity now. You can receive your peace now. You can, it's no longer, oh, we don't know who is going to get it. He said, change the way you think. Why? Because for about 6,000 years, man had been under the oppression of Satan. And all they knew was, was pain and, and fear and depression and dying and sickness. And they think, oh, everybody has to be sick sometimes. I heard pastors even say that. I mean, you know, we are in this body. Everybody has to be sick sometimes. Every, everybody has to, you know, die sometimes. Everybody, you know, we, we are all ordinary human beings. Until I heard Kenny E. Hagin said, I've not had a headache for the past 60 years. I said, what? And I just had one yesterday. I was born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, you, I thought he was joking. And I listened to him again. He said, no. He said, the last headache I had was, was like 50, 50, 50 years or 60 years ago. Somebody will ask him, are you saying you did not have headache or you did not have... You're just meaning you did not have any symptom of headache. He said, actually, I had the symptoms just like three times in the last 60 years. And it didn't last up to three hours. <laughs> no medication, not at all, for over 50, 60 years. And I started to say, is this actually possible? So I began to read myself. Somebody said, hallelujah. hallelujah. The Bible says, he by himself bore all our sins, all our sickness on his body. So you can actually live sickness-free. You can. It's, it's been bought for us. Paid for. We have the receipt. It's called the Bible. Somebody say hallelujah. Now you can take your receipt and claim what belongs to you, but you can let servants walk on, uh, uh, ride on the horses while servants are walking on bare feet. But not you today. You are victor. Somebody say hallelujah. So today I'm talking about how to walk in victory. So the Bible is saying here that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality. Go back again to verse 10. We need to repeat this. The Bible says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Continue. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the mind schemes, the wise, the deceits. The lies of the devil. Continue. He said, for we will wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Continue. He says, wherefore, put on the, take on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, 
and having done all to stand. So he's telling them, put on the whole armor so that you can stand against the mind scheme. So the armor of God is not to go to the devil's uh, streets and begin to cast out devils on the mountains and drive devils outside. He said so that you can fight against the thoughts, the mind schemes, the deceptions of the enemy. So the Christian's major fight is in the realm of the mind. That's where people get attacked the most. That's where the enemy comes against us. In short, the Bible calls the devil the prince of darkness. He said the rulers of the darkness of this world. What happens in darkness? Things are concealed so that the truth is not seen. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 4. Um, the Bible says, if the gospel is hid to anyone, it's hid because the God of this world, go to start from verse 3. He said, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. He said, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. Keep it up uh, on the screen if you can. It says, no, the, the previous verse. It says, in whom the God of this world has blinded their minds. So the devil does not try to blind people's eyes. What does he try to do? Blind, blind their minds. Why is it so important? Because it is from the realm of the soul, the spirit, the soul, that the body receives its manifestation. So he blinds people's mind so that the light of the gospel does not shine in. So the gospel is light. The gospel comes to show us what things really are, how things really are. But the devil is the prince of the darkness of this world. He wants people to walk in ignorance. So he comes to tell somebody, you know you are, you are, you are, you are sick. You are so sick you can't get up. And if the person accepts that thought, even though he has been healed, he's going to experience sickness. He tells somebody, you are poor. You were born on the right, wrong side of town. Your parents were poor. Your grandparents were poor. So it's not your fault. You know, there's, there's systemic racism that keeps people like you poor. So accept it and stay poor. And they start fighting everything externally. They don't know that the major problem is not the color of their skin, it's the color of their thoughts. If you think poor, you're going to stay poor. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. If what they call systemic racism is so powerful, how come we have people like LeBron James and, and people like Obama who, who became the president? So why, why can't the others receive the same? It's not about the skin. It's about how people think. And if you will break out in your thought realm, you will break out in your physical realm. You will break up. And so the, the challenge is not the external. It's not people who are putting pressure. Listen, I know there are racists out there. There are racist policemen. There are racist judges. There is racism everywhere. But it doesn't have to stop you. 
If you can break out on the inside, nobody on the outside can stop you. So if you are hindered, it has nothing to do with the parents from which we are born, neither from the geographical location. It has to do with the way you think. And that's why the Bible says, be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You have to begin to change the way you think. And that's what God said to us at the beginning of this year. Change the way you think. Don't do somebody say change, change. The, way the way you think. think. Say it with authority. Say change, change. The, way the way you think. think. Say it more. Say it one more time. Change, change. The, way the way you think. Amen. You know, many people change their clothes all the time. They say, oh, this one is smelling sweat. But they never change their mind. We have the same mindset every day. Stinking mind. And they just keep going on with it. It's time to change your mind. It's time to renew your mind. Hallelujah. Somebody says, oh, you're going to that church. They are brainwashing you. You say, yeah, you need your own brainwash too. You need to come along. You need to be, your brain needs washing sometimes. Of course, I know what they mean. They mean negative. They are trying to make people purpose. But that's not what the word of God does. The word comes to renew our mind to the truth. So the Bible said the God of this world, he said he, he blinds the mind, the mind. I want you to know that the major challenge is the way people think. Pastor Manke was saying a lot of that this morning. If a man is sad, it's because he's thinking sad thoughts. He's like, no, 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 I'm not. Yes, you are. You may not even know that you are, but you are. It's the condition of the mind that is seen on the face. If a man is poor, it's because he's thinking poor thoughts. Nobody can make it. Nobody's helping me. You know, I don't know what to do. There are no jobs around. This time is very hard. If you think like that, you stay poor. If a man is sick, it's become, because what? He's thinking sick thoughts. They're sick thoughts. Wow. You know, this is the gavi of coronavirus is everywhere. If you get to a particular age, you get sick. You know, my parents had the, If you think poor thoughts, you'll be poor. If you think sick thoughts, you'll be sick. If a man is healthy, it's because what? He's thinking healthy thoughts. If a man is rich, he's thinking rich thoughts. There is a way rich people think. It's not the physical, just the physical. It starts from their thoughts. And if you want to know how to be rich, you're going to have to find out some rich thoughts to think. One of the things rich people think, they never think like, I can't do it. It's too hard. They always think like, there is a way out of this. They saw I can get beyond this. I can reach to the top. When you start thinking like that, you get to the top. So God said to us this year, this is the year to renew our minds. Somebody say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. So I brought some mind soap and water of the word to wash some minds. When you live here, you would have changed your mind. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I say hallelujah. hallelujah. So we have an adversary. And the adversary is, is very diligent in what he does. The Bible says that he waits to deceive. That means that he sets deceptive 
things ahead of us. So people don't just think talks because it comes. There is an adversary who is active to make people think wrong thoughts. And like I said, unfortunately, sometimes he even attacks people from, from childhood. Some people are raped when they are children to make you think that you are not good enough. And then they get into all kinds of lifestyle. And sometimes, you know, people are, people are, people are, you know, are, are beating and stuff like that just to get some mindset stuff. Hallelujah. hallelujah. I say hallelujah. hallelujah. The same thing also, people, maybe their husbands call them, you're not good enough. I've had some husband tell your wife, without me, you can do nothing. If you leave, you are going to just dry. And that's not true. And sometimes because of those words, some women are so afraid. Afraid to challenge negative things that's going on in the house because they feel that they can't succeed. Sometimes thoughts are sown knowingly and unknowingly by parents. But thank God. I say hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter number 3 says that the weapons of our warfare, he said they are not what? Carnal. He said but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And when people think about strongholds, they sometimes think about, well, you know, there's one, there's one occultic uh, 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 place near my house. Maybe that's what's happening. Let's go there and dance around the, that house. Now, the strongholds the Bible are talking about, is talking about, is thought patterns. First Corinthians 10, 3. The Bible says, though we walk in the flesh, is it 1 Corinthians 10? 2 Corinthians 10, 3. No wonder you didn't see it. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 3. The Bible says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5. He said, casting down imaginations. So anytime you are imagining negative things, what do you do? You cast them down. You cast them down. Some people want to get married. They are already talking about divorce. I mean, let's do uh, what they call it, prenup. That is a negative imagination. You need to cast it down. No Christian should get married with a prenup. Hallelujah. If you don't trust the person... Don't marry them. Why are you marry them and say, let's get a prenup? If you, don't, if you don't believe, you shouldn't get married. Hallelujah. hallelujah. I say hallelujah. hallelujah. The covenant of marriage means that you are sharing everything. Everything. So, even if you are married for one hour, the person has right to half of everything. In short, they are... They are they are, they are joint heirs with you. Everything you own belongs to them. That is the covenant of marriage. Praise God. That means that even if they were married with you for one hour and you divorce, you have to split it in half. It's gospel. It's not me that wrote it. No wonder the disciples say, maybe it's good then not to marry. <laughs> that's what they said. If that is the case between marriage, there is not. Then that's, the, the marriage is not for the faint-hearted. It's for the one that walks in love. Listen, if you are walking in agape, you will not struggle to share your property in half. 
with your spouse. Somebody who has lived with you and walked with you and eaten with you, gave you food and you gave them food. You know it's dangerous to be married. You know, if, 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 if the person by your side wants, to, wants you to go to heaven, very easy. Every day you are, ah, oh, ah, and you're, the person stands around you and says, see this one, I think it's too tough, costing me yesterday now. It's bad. The person spared your life every day. So you should respect them. Somebody say, Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> you ate food that they cooked. Praise God. I heard a husband abusing his wife, beating her. She said, be careful how you beat the person who cooks for you. <laughs> I may not have physical muscles, but I have other kinds of power. That was the last day the guy laid hands on the wife. She said, be careful how you beat the person who cooks for you. Praise God. Say, are you threatening me? He said, no, I'm just telling you the facts. <laughs> because if I decide to hurt you like you have decided to hurt me, it's going to be tough. You know, so what I'm saying in essence is that the major problem we have is the way we think. We need to renew our minds. Somebody say hallelujah. We need to renew our and renew it according to scripture, not to tradition. Not tradition of men, not tradition of our parents, not tradition of our friends, according to the word of God. Amen. Somebody say? Amen. I want to hear it louder. Say? Amen. So we have an adversary, and the way the adversary works is to deceive. There are two ways somebody can be deceived. One, by stopping the person from knowing the truth. Jesus Christ said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Many people are ignorant of the truth. And because they are ignorant, they cannot make demand of what belongs to them. But the other way of, of, of deceiving people is to make them believe a lie, which is very close to ignorant, but that is even stronger. Because the one who is ignorant, oftentimes they are open for, for new information. But the one who has believed a lie, they think they know the truth, but they don't know the truth. And that's where the enemy oppresses the Lord. He, thinks, he makes the people feel, I know it now. I know it now. But they really don't know. One of the challenges I have in teaching faith and preaching the word of God is that many times among believers, they are going through tough times. And you say, well, you need to exercise your faith. You say, Pastor, I have all the faith in the world. So um, the question is, so why are you still here? Now, people think that they know what faith is, and they have very little clue. They think faith is, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe it, I believe it. You could believe and believe and still not be in what the Bible calls faith. Because first of all, what do you believe? Is it really scripture? Or you are just believing what you intend? It's the scripture that gives the foundation for faith. Praise God. So, what many people call faith is strong conviction in human ideas. And that's not faith. That's not Bible faith. You could be very convinced that somebody else's husband is going to be your husband, but that is not faith. That's deception. So people could be believing for something that is not Bibly based, and it's not faith at all. It's not Bible faith. That's why faith starts when the will of God is known. You have to spend time to study. We say here, study, 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 study. 
study, 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 study. But still, people are studying. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> I'm changing my mind as I'm thinking. <laughs> we have to change our minds. Amen. Amen. So people are studying here. Point number three, because we have an adversary, then we have to fight the fight of faith. The Bible says, put it up, uh, 1 Timothy 6 to 8. It says, fight, fight the good fight of faith and lay holds on eternal life. I think it's 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse 12. Hallelujah. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. So if you're going to walk in victory, you're going to have to fight the fight of faith. You're going to have to take by force, the force of faith, what God says belongs to you. Amen. You're going to have to stand against the wiles of the enemy and make sure that you hold on to what God says is yours. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Glory be to God. Yes, 1 Timothy chapter number 6 verse 12. He said, fight the good fight of faith. He said, lay hold on, in, on eternal life, whereunto where thou art called and had professed a good profession before many witnesses. Turn to somebody, say, fight. fight. The good fight. Emphasize good. Say the good fight, the good fight. Of, faith. of faith. Say don't fight bad fights. Fight good fights. What does the Bible call the fight of faith? Good fight. Many reasons. One, before you enter into the fight, the victor has already been declared. This is a fixed fight. Somebody say hallelujah. You know what a fixed fight is? <laughs> the, the winner has been determined. Now, many people think all those wrestling, all those wrestling bouts we see on television, the person just won because he was so strong. Many of them are fixed fights. They tell them, this one, you are going to win so that the, the viewership will go up, the ratings, the next one you come back and win him. How many of you know that most of those movies, the fights are fixed? Before, they, before you watch the movie, before they start to fight, they already know who, who is supposed to win. Why? Because there's a script. That has been written. When you are fighting and he wants to punch you, put your head in the punch so that he can knock you down, right? So it's not a, a real fight. It's a fixed fight. And the fight we have with the enemy is a fixed fight. Somebody say hallelujah. He's just there for our punching bag. We have been declared the victors before we entered into the fight. So there is no Christian that should lose because the Bible says fight the good fight. Don't go fight a fight that is not your fight. Fight that is not a good fight because you may lose. That's why the fight of faith is the fight that we fight. Amen. 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 I say amen. amen. I said amen. amen. You know, amen means so be it. Amen. Is your fight fixed? Yes. So, are you the victor all the time? Yes. One way to know, just read the back of the book, the scriptures, you discover that we win. Hallelujah. We win over every sin, over every sickness, over every disease. But the Bible says there's still a fight, though. There's still a challenge. There's an enemy that's trying to steal from you. But he said, fight the good fight. Which means that you enter, say, hey, you know what? I am the healed. Hallelujah. So sickness, you have no right to be upon me. I'm not trying to be healed. You know one reason why some Christians don't get healed? They are trying to be healed. This means that you have not, you have not started from the end. You are supposed to come to the fight knowing the end. I am the healed. So sickness, you have no right to be here. We are not trying to get healed. We are already healed. We are 
driving the deception of the devil away. And we are standing. The Bible says, after you have done all what? To stand. It says, stand therefore. So the fight is not to try to win. The fight is to stay in the place of victory. Because Jesus already won the fight. Somebody say hallelujah. So it's a good fight because the enemy has been defeated. The Bible tells us, put it up, I think it's Hebrews chapter 2, 14. The Bible says that he, he, he because his, the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he himself took upon the same that he may put to naught him that had the power of death, which is the devil, and release all those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Look at it in the King James. He said, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he may destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. He said that he may destroy him. So the devil has been destroyed. Next verse. He said, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Tell somebody, the devil has been destroyed. Say the devil has been defeated. Hallelujah. So when you find the good fight of faith, you know you have won. The devil you have you are coming against has already been defeated. You are not trying to defeat the devil. Too many people respect the devil too much. Hey, you we know it's the devil that is doing. The devil made me do it. The devil came against my family. The devil, which devil? The one the Bible says is under our feet. Don't give the devil such credibility. Many times what the devil does, and not many times, all the time, he uses men's power against them. He does a trick. A magic trick. You know, most magicians are deceivers. They make you look this way while they are doing something here. He makes a magic trick, and then the person believes a lie and begins to enforce that lie with his own words and his own faith. So even if you feel sick, doesn't mean you are sick. Somebody can feel, feel a pain in the leg. And the devil says, wow, arthritis has come. Yes, your grandparents had it. You see, at the end, his leg was crooked. Yours is already, look, it's already bending. It's already bending. That if you do not pull down that thought, you are going to be feeling, my leg is bending. Oh, it's a... But if you know the word of God, the truth of God's word, you say, get behind me, Satan. I am not of this world. My heritage is from Christ. I am not following the heritage of my natural parents, but of my spiritual parents. And there is no sickness, no disease in the body of Christ. Let's be straight. And you start walking. You keep, don't keep looking. Is he, is he bending now? Is he straight? No. You, you just take your mind of it and begin to rejoice. I say hallelujah. hallelujah. I say hallelujah. hallelujah. They will say, look at it again. Look at it again. You still hold it. You say, no, I already spoke to it. I walk by faith and not by sight. That's the fight of faith. You're going to have to keep your eyes on the word of God. Even when feelings come, even when the enemy tries to you know, manipulate the system of this world to make you think something is wrong. If it's not according to God's word, you refuse to accept it. You deal with the thoughts. With the thoughts. And that's one of the things that medica- meditation does. Somebody say hallelujah. I have a video out there. Meditation is medication. Somebody say hallelujah. The best kind of medication you can take is meditation. It's to change the way you think. Why do many marriages break? 
The, the husband says something to the wife. The wife says something to the husband. And after they leave, the devil comes and says, Did you, do you know what he means by that thing he said? He's calling you a fool. He thinks you are a fool. And if you keep acting like this, he's going to, he's going to just ride all over you. You need, to, you need to respond right now. And the, guy, the, the lady says, yeah, yeah, I'm not a fool. You think you married a fool? And I'm going to show you who I am. And, and they don't know that the problem is their thoughts. Praise God. I said, praise the Lord. And so, the way to overcome it is when you are thinking those thoughts. You're going to have to take the word of God and what? Pull them down. Say, no devil, I married the best husband in the world and I'm going to cook him a new stew and make his house rejoice. And when you can deal with the thoughts, you can deal with the circumstances. That is the fight of faith. How to change those negative thoughts to positive thoughts. When the devil says, you are weak, you're a weakling. You say, no, no, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. I cannot be weak when God lives inside of me. That is the fight of faith. That's where the biggest fight is. It's not the external ones we fight, the boxing, you know, the thing, those are champions. No, the bigger champions are the one who knows how to pull down thoughts. I usually tell people, if you find out boxers that are rich, millionaires, actors that are rich, millionaires, guess who is richer than the actors? They are producers. You don't see them. They don't have to take off their clothes before the camera. They are behind their thinking. They are taught that to determine what the actor will act is what makes the bigger money than the physical world. So the biggest fight we fight is the fight in our thought realm, our mind realm. If you want to have a happy life, a joyful life, a victorious life, you're going to have to have victory in the way you think. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So you pull down thoughts of fear. Say, I am claustrophobic. I am fantaphobic. I don't drink fanta. I fear fanta. No, any kind of thoughts. People have all kinds of phobias. Aerophobic. Uh, hydrophobic. I know some people, they step into water, they start shaking. Does the water bite? No. Just their thought realm. There's a, a stronghold. I'm not saying it's, it's easy to pull down. That's what the Bible says that, that we have to use mighty weapons. Because the person says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fear the water. And as soon as he gets it, <laughs> take me out, take me out. And his body even starts shaking because of his thoughts. There's a stronghold. The people are afraid to marry. It's a fear. Praise God. Let me come this way. These people this way are looking at me. <laughs> I'm saying, ah, marriage. Ah, it's so tough. Hey, half of it end, but it's a fear. And they are walking because of what they have seen in the world around. But if you look at the word of God, marriage is sweet. Somebody say, hallelujah. And God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So he said marriage is better than singlehood. It is not good. Let me be, come behind you, puppy. <laughs> Hallelujah. And now, if you are called to be single, you're married to Christ, so you are still married somewhere. Amen. 
But the important thing is that we need to encourage people according to God's word. Because their mindsets, they are watching on television. Television makes people feel like after you get married, the, the, the romance goes away. They, they don't treat you as much as good as they used to. You know, sexual relationship goes down. That is not true. Those are deceptions. If in most studies, and they study sexual relationship, it is a lot more fun when you are married than when you, when you are not. Because first of all, there is no guilt. There is no fear. It's after I have done this, will the guy just take away, take, take off and not call me? So some are performing to get the call back. But when you are married, the guy is not going anywhere. Somebody say hallelujah. Stuck with you. You are freer. Say, is pastor talking about sex in church? It's better than watching it on HBO when they're telling you lies. So I'm telling you the truth. Amen. So if you want to enjoy sexual relationship, get married. It's better in a marriage bed. That's why what God created it for. Everything outside of that is false and is wrong. And it ends up destroying the people from internal. People don't even know how much people walk in fear and guilt because of such things. Many people who engage in sexual relations before marriage, when they are married, they don't trust their spouses. Because they think you may want to try others just as well, like they have. There's no security. And you have to now pull down new strongholds. Some people start comparing. If you have nothing to compare with, there's nothing to compare. This is the best. You don't, don't get yourself stuck in something because the world says you should and destroy your future. So wait for the one you get married to. Somebody say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. You've been waiting for the, waiting for the pastor to finish, finish the ceremony. Hallelujah. So that a new life will start. Not after you have done everything and done that, and then we, the marriage ceremony is just like one of those days you just come in, nothing, nothing big. Many of them are praying, let the reception end now. I mean, let me see, finish this thing. <laughs> Praise the name of God. Don't blush on me. I know. <laughs> I'm teaching you the word of God. <laughs> So we have an adversary. We have to fight the fight of faith. Put on Colossians chapter number 2 verse 15. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter number 2 verse 15. Help me put it up. Hallelujah. The Bible says, Having spoiled principalities and power, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So Jesus Christ came and defeated the devil. The devil is not as bad as we think. The Bible tells us that in the end, say we will look narrowly at the devil and say, is this the one that made kings to submit, that made people fear? The devil is not as powerful as we think. The devil is a weakling. He has been beaten. He has been stripped of his authority. And the only power he uses right now is deception. Make people believe a lie. If you can know the truth, the Bible said the truth will make you free. If you can stay and pull down the wrong thoughts, you will come out free. Free of any kind of oppression. Any kind, any kind. Poverty is an oppression. Sickness is an oppression. If you can, if you can stay until the truth is real and you refuse to accept it, you will discover your body will adjust. The devil has no power to hold on to your body except you allow it. And that's why he works so hard. The Bible says they are mind schemes. These are strong deceptions. 
so that people will believe a lie. And that's why the Bible says it's a fight of faith. And faith takes place in taking the word of God and pulling down thoughts and imaginations. Somebody says, well, your family is not going to do right. Say, no, no, my family is going to do right. Someone say, well, your love is going down. Say, no, 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 my love is increasing, getting better and better. Somebody say, well, you know, sickness is everywhere. You're going to catch it. Say, no, no, I can't catch sickness. And it's not just telling it to others. You're going to have to tell it to yourself. The people you have to convince is nobody else but you and the devil. Somebody say, hallelujah. No, sometimes when we talk about faith, people come around pastors say, how are you doing? Say, I'm well. I'm fine. Because they don't want to tell pastor that they are feeling something. Because they don't want pastor to think they have no faith. But when they live there and their cousin say, how are you feeling? They say, oh my God. All this thing has been happening over my body. I'm tired. Then when they come to church, how are you feeling? Say, hallelujah, I'm healed. I'm... <laughs> That's a deception. Even if you don't tell anybody, you go back and you begin to think, why, why is it not happening? Why now? I've been declaring I'm, I'm rich, I'm rich, and I still can't pay my bills. You have not convinced yourself that you're rich. You're going to have to take the word of God and renew your mind. The Bible says that Abraham was fully persuaded. There was a time he was not fully persuaded. He tried to help God. He got, he got Ishmael by, by, by following uh, you know, the instruction or the advice of the wife. Which was easy to follow anyway. He says, <laughs> says, says take, your, take, take the handmaiden, you know, I, I'll give you permission. He says, are you sure? Are you sure? Says, okay. <laughs> and then he said, okay. So, so when I started treating her, you know, bad, she's like, your problem, you are the one that caused the problem. But God had to tell Abraham, let, let her go with her child. Because Abraham was not fully persuaded. When the Bible calls Abraham the father of faith, people think that God just saw Abraham from the beginning and he said, let's go. And Abraham left and Abraham was a man of faith. And that's, it took 26 years for him to get the promise. God was walking on his faith. God had to tell him one day, hey, come out. Look at the star. Count the star. Why? He was trying to give Abraham a picture because Abraham kept saying, there's nobody who's going to be my heir. I know you said you are going to give me a seat. And, and that, that I'm going to have, have uh, uh, children like nations. But I don't have a child. My, my wife is barren. God said, come out. What he was trying to do was to renew his mind. To, for him to repent. So God had to teach him and teach him. And even when he went to, to, to Hagar, God said, that's not the promise. You don't have to help me. Through your own wife. Until Abraham got fully persuaded. And then God tested that persuasion by saying, bring your son that you now have and go sacrifice him. The Bible says Abraham took a knife saying, if God says this is going to be the heir and through him, I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it anyway. And the Bible says that because of that, of that full conviction, even when he was taking a knife to kill his son, he still believed the son was going to be his heir. And through that son, there was going to be you know, a multitude of nations. So he believed in the resurrection of the dead. The Bible said, God said, stop. Now I know that you trust me. Because he had become fully persuaded that he was ready to kill his son and believe God for the resurrection of the dead. If you are going to walk in the faith of Abraham, you have to believe that God can raise the dead. It's about resurrection. 
God can raise a dead business. Somebody say hallelujah. If you are going to be rich, you can believe God that God can raise your finances from the dead to billions dollar status. You can have to believe that if God can raise the dead, what is headache? What is backache? What is cancer? What is tuberculosis? What is AIDS? What, what is any manner of sickness that God cannot raise? You're going to have to believe God in the resurrection of anything that is there. That is the kind of faith that is God is talking about. And it's going to take the renewing of the mind. The son asked him, on his way up the mountain. We have the fire. We have the wood. He said, where is the lamb? Abraham didn't, didn't flinch and act like, I don't know what's going to happen. He said, God will provide himself a lamb. There was no fear. There was no timidity or intimidation. Because he had renewed his mind. It took him some time. But he had renewed his mind to God's word. When you pull down strongholds of fear... Nothing can scare you. Somebody say hallelujah. Nothing can, nothing can scare you. No, there's no devil in hell. No demon that has been or can be created that can affect a believer. The Bible says nothing shall by any means hurt you. So you have to have that in your mind. And because of that, you cannot be afraid. Amen. I said amen. amen. You're not afraid of accidents. You're not afraid of flying. You are not afraid of eating poison. The Bible says even if they eat deadly poison, it says it shall not hurt them. So if poison hurts you, you need to renew your mind. You need to renew your mind. You say, but it's poison. The Bible says the poison affecting you or not depends on how you think. There are some people that poison has no effect. The Bible says a viper came and beat Paul while he was taking wood. The Bible says that he just shook it into the fire. There was no alarm. Why? He thought different from a natural man. You're going to have to change the way you think. The Bible says don't be conformed to the standard, to the pattern, to the lifestyle of this world. But be transformed. How? By what? The renewing, changing the way you think. So how are we going to do that? Number one, you're going to have to pay attention to the word of God. Tell somebody, pay attention. Say it again. Say, pay attention. Tell the person, stop paying bills. Pay attention. <laughs> stop, stop paying just bills. Pay attention. You need to pay attention. You need to pay attention. Too many people are distracted. Distraction is one of the deceptions of the enemy that gets people not to get the word. Some people are in church, but their minds are in somewhere else. You have to renew your mind. You have to pay. The Bible says, incline your ear to my saying, which means that it is your responsibility to tune in when the word of God is being spoken. One of the biggest deceptions of the enemy is to distract people during the time of the word of God. The Bible says it's actually a sacrifice of fools if people come to church and they don't get to hear the word. Don't be distracted. If the person had by you, he say, hey, hey, did you know what happened in Facebook? Change your CC. Oh, shush, oh, shush. Can I sit on that side? 
especially during the world. Now, during praise and worship, you can dance and clap and, and do high five. But when the word of God is going forth, you need to put out every distraction and focus. So number one, you need to pay attention. And if you keep reading the scriptures, go back to, 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 to Proverbs chapter number one, chapter number two, chapter number three, chapter number four, chapter number seven, eight. It keeps saying, pay attention, incline your ears. Meaning that this information, many people miss it because they are not focused. They don't pay attention. The Bible says, be careful how you hear. There's a way to hear God's word. You can just tell sometimes that people, are not, they're not getting much. They are just distracted. It's just like another one-hour message. Let's finish and go. Listen, if you come to church and your mind is not changed, you did not really come and then you, didn't, you did something... You, you, I don't want to say you just wasted your time. Because I don't want people to stop coming, stop wasting their time. Maybe if they keep coming, they will use their time properly. You, you, something ought to change in your thinking in every service. Every time you hear God's word. There's something that ought to change. Because the idea, the, the power, the essence of God's word is to change the way we think. There should be an aha moment. Praise God. And it's not just a function of the one that is preaching. It's a function of the one that is listening. Because God can speak through everyone and through anyone. Like somebody said, he said, the foolish, he said the wise learn more from the foolish than the foolish from the wise. Do you know that? The foolish is too foolish to learn from the wise. But the wise is wise enough to learn from the foolish. So it's not about who is speaking. If you are wise enough, you learn. At least you learn what not to do. Right? So you need to pay attention. And pay attention to God's word. He said, give, pay attention. And that means that you may have to leave something. Pay means it may cost you something to be attentive. Hallelujah. hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. We have said often time here, come with writing materials to church. It's better than your classrooms. The classroom can teach you stuff and you go there with writing material. Come with writing material. Put down something. Even if you know it, put down the scripture. Go back and look at it again. Just hearing it once is not often what takes, you know, helps you to pull down stronghold. You need to go back and meditate on the word of God. So number one is pay attention. Number two on how to renew your mind is to meditate on the word of God. Hallelujah. 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 The devil uses many things to distract. But the, the meaning of rep Bible repetition is to repeat it over and over and over, oftentimes with your own mouth, until it changes the way you think. Meditation is not trying to just say it for external things to change. You know, when we talk about confessing the word of God, people have become like parrots. And that's not the essence. Now, it helps. But that's not the full essence. You know, they say, okay, uh, be blue, be blue, be blue, be blue, be blue. You're telling the yellow thing, be blue, be blue, be blue. Thinking that if you keep saying it, that's what's going to change it. The truth is that it is from your heart. When you are saying this thing is blue, you have to convince yourself first. And then when you say it, it becomes blue. The same thing with healing. You have to tell yourself you're healed. The thoughts that come in that say you're sick, you're weak. But you have to renew your mind. You have to keep saying it to yourself. He by himself bore my sickness on the cross. I am healed. This 
symptom is not enough to break God's word. It's not enough to make God's word a lie. God's word is more real than the symptoms I feel. So I know by the word of God that I'm here. I am well. I am well. And as you keep telling it to yourself, nobody needs to even hear you. Confession is primarily first to renew your mind. You are hearing yourself say, I am at the top. I'm rich. I'm strong. I am joyful. I am not sad. I have the fruit of joy. When you keep saying that long enough, you start laughing in your own bedroom. <laughs> because you renew your mind for those things that are strongholds. But you're going to have to say it well enough. Some people think because I say it one or two times, it doesn't work. I don't know why it's not working. Then they try to look for what it is to blame. The major challenge for everyone is their thinking. Renew your mind. Meditate on the word day and night. Take the word of God and pull down those thoughts, imaginations, things that come against God's word. God, the devil said, you can't make it. Say, I have already made it. It's too late. It's too late for you, devil. <laughs> I'm seated in the heavenly realms. All things work together for my good. You begin to tell it to yourself. And eventually, you are convinced in your heart and then it comes out of your mouth. One reason why many times people say things out of their mouth, it doesn't happen, and they're trying to operate by faith, is because their heart has not believed. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So it takes two. Mark 11 says that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. So the condition of your words coming forth and bringing results is that your heart must have been fully persuaded that whatsoever you say, you are going to have it. But people are saying it, saying it, saying it, without having convinced themselves, thinking that in saying it plenty, plenty times, it will happen. And the Bible said that is the way the heathen pray, thinking that they will be heard by the multitudes of their world. It's not asking, asking God, asking God, asking God, praying plenty, 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 plenty times. If it is one million times, God said, ah, this get up plenty, plenty, plenty. Let's have it. That's not the way it works. You have to renew. your. It's, the person you are actually praying to is your mind to be renewed, to think different. If you can break those strongholds with the word of God, and the Bible says the word of God are mighty to pull in down strongholds, the weapons we fight with. If you can renew your strength from weakness, from disease, if you can renew your mind from disease, from poverty, you get rich. I think one of the problems we have is that many people are lazy in their thoughts. They are too lazy to change their mind. And that's one, so that's one reason why they stay where they are. Yeah. It's a kind of spiritual laziness. They say, that's just the way I am. I just have a bad attitude because I grew up in, a, in, in, in Ireland. That's a lazy Christian. Even if you grew up around people who are mean, you can renew your mind. Praise God. I said, praise the Lord. You can change the way you think. You can. It may not happen overnight, but you're walking on it. You're walking on it. I heard Dickie Matthew say today, I used to be, have a frown on my face and people ran away from me. And so I decided to put up a smile. Somebody said, hallelujah. He changed his mind, right? And did it work? Yeah. Notice he has been smiling better than before. Amen. You can choose. You can choose to renew your mind. It's not just, just the physical. You tell yourself you can do this. 
And then you, you begin to practice it in your mind. And soon enough, it will come out of your mouth. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So you meditate on the word. The Bible it says, put up, put up Joshua chapter number one. We'll try rounding up eight, verse eight and nine. Joshua one, verse chapter number one, verse from verse eight and nine. The Bible says, the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate on it day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Good fight, good success. Praise God. He said, the book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. You know, some people don't think it is important to meditate on the word of God or memorize the word of God. It's important to memorize the word of God. I said it's important to memorize the word of God. Praise God. The word of God is what gives you the, 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 the materials to pull down strongholds. And so you need to fill up on the word of God. And that's what you meditate on. Now you can read it and recite it, read it and recite it. But it's, it's good if you can commit it to memory. You should be able to quote verbatim a lot of scriptures without reading them. Because you have read them over and over again. Someone say hallelujah. You should train yourself to memorize scriptures. Memorize whole chapters, whole verses first. Amen. And recite it over and over. If you are dealing with health issues, memorize scriptures that talk about healing. He himself bore all our sin and our sickness on his body. By whose stripes we were healed. First Peter 2, uh, 24. Praise God. <laughs> You memorize it. So when you are feeling pains, you start saying it. He bore my sickness on his body, and by his stripes, I was healed. If we were healed, I was healed. If I was healed, it means I'm healed, so I can't be sick. So sickness, you have no place in my body, because he by himself bore all of my sin and my sickness on his body on the cross. You need to know the word and meditate. Repeat it to yourself over and over again. Somebody say hallelujah. So meditation is one of the things by which we renew our mind. Verse, they didn't put up the scripture. I just, oh, you put it up. Look at verse 9 as well, Joshua 1. The Bible says, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and be of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whatsoever thou goest. So he says, if you are going to walk and receive this promise, you cannot be afraid and you cannot be dismayed. What is dismayed? Lose courage, looking sad, looking down, looking depressed, looking like I don't know what's going to happen. He said, if you are not courageous and you are not excited, he said, you can't enter. He said, don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. You need to act with confidence and boldness. The Bible says faith is being confident. And so the confident disposition is what the Bible calls faith that allows you to speak the right words. Somebody say, Hallelujah. hallelujah. I'm going to give you a last point. I'm sure you already know what it is. Uh, it should be two, but I'll make it one for time. You are going to have to speak and act on the word of God. You pay attention. Pay attention is number one. one way you renew your mind. Then two, you meditate on it to change the way you, you, you think. Repeat it over and over to yourself. 
That's why you listen to songs. You sing songs. One thing songs does is help you to renew your mind. You are singing it, singing it, the right kind of songs. It begins to refresh you. You begin to think those words. You begin to recite those words about yourself. And like I said, it may take an hour, it may take a day, it may take a month, it may take years, but it will eventually happen. The third point is that you need to speak and act on the word of God. Speaking is very powerful. You can speak to yourself. Bible says you can do that in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Speak to one another and you can speak to yourself too. So your words are powerful because it is true words that faith is released. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. You see, in your thinking, you are meditating on the right words to say. Listen, you cannot speak right words if you are meditating on wrong thoughts. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Speaking is so powerful, but the problem with most speaking is that they are not saying the right things because they are not thinking the right thoughts. They may think about it for a season, but after a while, they just forget it and then just start saying the way they feel, saying the way things look like, saying the way they were. And, and those thoughts, those words, because words are so powerful, can go back and try to undo the words they were saying when they were thinking right. So you have to watch what you're thinking because it affects what you're saying. Bible says, <clears throat> John chapter number 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And I said that means the word was a thought. Before God said, let there be light. So creative ability starts from your thinking. Because what you keep thinking about, you will eventually say. And when you say it, that's when the power of your thoughts are released. So if you want to have a victorious life, you have to think victory. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then you have to meditate on the word that teaches us victory so that you can speak victory because you eventually get what you say, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you think it or not. People think that faith only works for believers. No, every person was created as a faith being. You get whatsoever you say. Say, I don't know, this thing is taking a long time. It's not working. Guess what you are going to get? A long time and not working. That's what you just said. Somebody came to Kenny Hagen. He said, this faith business doesn't work. It doesn't work. He said, why? He said, it doesn't work. I've tried it. It doesn't work. He said, I, 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 I see. It's working right now. He said, why? He said, you say it doesn't work, right? He said, yeah. He said, and it doesn't work for you, right? He said, yeah. He said, the word of faith is working. Because you say it doesn't work. Guess what happened? It did not work. So it's working. Is it not working? It's working. Because he said it doesn't work and it's not working. So it's not working. It's working. It's actually working because if he said it didn't work and it didn't work, so it's working. <laughs> it's working. It always works. It always works. So he said, I'm just, I'm just tired of all these children. Guess what will happen? You just get tired. All the energy you had before is gone. Because you just, you just declared it. You said, no, they are the one making me tired. No, you just you accepted your tiredness. You could have said, wow, what great children. I'm so blessed. I can enjoy all this fun. He threw the water on the floor. Hallelujah. Something to clean. Praise the name of God. 
Say, Pastor, <laughs> is that sanity? Yes, it's better than being depressed. The one who is saying that is going to live longer than the one saying, he has poured water again. Every time I turn around, he's destroying something. He's breaking something. And then as you're saying that one, the guy breaks another thing. <laughs> and you're wondering, why is he breaking more things? You're going to have to decide to rejoice, no matter what's going on. No matter. No matter. Somebody say, hallelujah. hallelujah. Say, I married a dumb, 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 dumb. Doesn't always think right. And you're wondering, why is he still going back that way? No, you have to change the way you think. And the way you, even if he's acting like he's not wise, say, Oh, my husband is, is wise. He's, he's, he's one of the wisest men I've ever seen. Hallelujah. hallelujah. I say, hallelujah. hallelujah. And then you go back to your privacy and say, Lord, thank you for blessing me with such a wise husband. He thinks. Like, like the spirit of God. Because he has the spirit of God. The words that come out of his mouth is word, are words of wisdom. Next time you see him, you'll be smiling. <laughs> because you have, you have renewed your mind about what you see. People are always thinking that when the things change, then I will rejoice. You have the cat before the horse. When you rejoice that the thing has changed, then it will change. That is the law of faith. So you have to change your mind first. And if you wait to see it, you may never see it. So how to live in victory? The Bible says in 1 John chapter number 5, it said, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So faith is the victory. Faith doesn't give you the victory. If you are walking in faith, you are walking in victory. But if you're walking in sight, you're walking the way you feel, you're walking by what you see, what people are saying, you never walk in victory. Because out there, the enemy has abilities to manipulate. But he cannot enter into your heart. You know the devil can enter into the heart of a believer. No, he can only suggest. But you can pull down those thoughts. He says you're not going to make it. He says, I have already made it. He says, you are so poor. He said, no, he made me rich. He said, nobody loves you. He said, the one that matters loves me more than all. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, look, you're not so as pretty as the other person. He said, I'm wonderfully and beautifully made. I, I look like God. How pretty can you get? Hallelujah. When you, when, you, when, you, when you fill your thoughts with those kind of positive thoughts that come from God's word and you meditate on it, there is nowhere else to go but the top. Somebody say, hallelujah. No weapon fashioned against you will prosper. Just lift up your hand and prophesy on you. No sickness will come nigh your dwelling. No power raised against you will succeed. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have power over every sickness, power over every disease, power over every plan of the enemy to kill, to steal, and destroy. They can't touch you, nor the things that belong to you. For I have put in you, said the Lord, my ability, my spirit, to believe and to speak my words. And my words about is what I used to create the heavens and the earth. And I've given you the same ability. So even as you think my words and speak my words, the same creative ability is released to change your world, to renew your mind, to change your reality, and to cause you to see those things that you believe and you say. 
So don't let your mind entertain negative thoughts, said the Lord, because out of your heart comes the issues of life. So keep my word in your mind and in your heart and in your mouth. Be confident, be bold, be diligent to do this. And yes, said the Lord, out of your mouth shall come power that will change cities, that will change nations, that will change finances, that will change health. Because in you and through you, there is ability to change the world, said the Lord. So even now do I declare the anointing of God that breaks every yoke, that removes everybody, strongholds, mindsets of many years, be pulled down in the name of Jesus. Let every spirit of fear be gone. Every spirit of depression be gone in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of offense be gone in the name of Jesus. Every spirit that distracts be gone in the name of Jesus. Let every man's mind be focused on the word. To pay attention. To receive God's word. To believe God's word. And to speak God's word. Until we all walk in the fullness of the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say hallelujah. We trust that you are blessed by the message. To listen and hear more, catch us at 11.30 on Sunday mornings on YouTube or Facebook at Love Foundation Christian Center. If you have any additional questions or just want to learn more about the church, feel free to contact us at lovefoundcc at gmail.com or visit our website at lovefoundationusa.org. Thanks for listening.